welcome to Lifting Leaders Podcast, where we're unleashing leader possibilities to make a better world. I'm Trisha Ryan, and together with Crystal Roberts, we're diving deeper into some of the complexities of the world's most critical challenges and exploring innovative ways of navigating through them. Through interviews with experts and leaders just like you, we are exploring what it takes to thrive as a leader today and examining new ways of thinking about how to creatively lead into a more equitable, socially responsible, and sustainable future. And the future starts now. Hi, Trisha. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How about yourself? I'm doing great. Ah, yeah. I want to say happy Veterans Day. Thank you. Yeah. And happy, happy Veterans Day to you, too. <laughs> Thank you. So... We'll be dropping this on Monday, but today is actually Veterans Day, and such it's such an important day. And I also wanted to say Happy Veterans Day because I know how you grew up in the military, mm-hmm. and so I wanted to give you a chance. And I know I'm surprising you here mm-hmm. to tell just a quick story about what that was like to grow up in the military, or something mm. a story that you'd like to say to honor your father, who was a career military person. Thank you so much. Um, Dad, if you're hearing this, <laughs> I hope I do you proud. Um, I I loved growing up in the military. I was, you know, I was born into it. I was in it until I was 17 years old. And, um, and long after that, because my dad, while he retired from the Marine Corps, he never really left. He then started leading things like the Marine Mustangs, uh, association, which was an association made for Marines who start in boot camp and work their way up to officer. And so um, it's a really large organization, and he he was a, a big player in it for a long time. And he was a China Marine, which was one of the last Marines on horseback in China, World War II, Korea, and Vietnam. And, you know, he was my hero for sure. One thing that I remember, and I have to say it because Veterans Day is falling the day after the birthday, the Marine Corps birthday. Mm. So yesterday was the Marine Corps birthday, oorah. And I remember every year at this time, my dad would get my sister and I up at five o'clock in the morning. It was an annual event. And he would make us sing the Marine Corps hymn. Oh, wow. And so every year we sang the Marine Corps hymn at five o'clock in the morning. And it didn't matter, you know, what, time it, it was always 0500 at our house <laughs> and um, I was telling this story actually yesterday at work I sent it we have a group of people oh. who are um, military and veterans and they were all sending high fives and happy birthdays to the Marine Corps and I did quickly tell that story in in an email I got no less than three emails back with um, a recording of the Marine Corps hymn, and I didn't say 0500, but I was corrected by one of them saying, your father would have said 0500. Oh. But it was just one of the things that was like a tradition. But I loved moving every year. I loved the, I loved the feel of being a part of something that was so important to the history of this nation. And at the same time, um, made us different from everybody else. I didn't mind being different, you know, and I think it really helped me as an adult be able to talk to everybody and be comfortable talking to everybody. Yeah. You know, there's so many people who don't have that exposure, but 
uh, military brats do. And you either get it or you don't, and most of the time you get it. So I'm very proud of being a Marine Corps brat, and I'm never going to stop being one. Mm. It's because once a Marine, always a Marine. <laughs> Same thing for the brats. But thank you so yeah. much. That was nice. And I want to say happy Veterans Day to all the veterans who are currently veterans and those who left before us um, who fought so hard for us to be able to speak our minds, have a podcast, walk on this, this in this country without being stopped for our identification, being able to vote freely. You know, I, I appreciate it more than anything, and I, I want to thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Trisha. I really appreciate that. And I was going to say, when you were talking about one of the things that you gained from that was your ability to talk to anyone. And I have to say that is one of your gifts that you have. Um, and even Chance and I were just talking about that. Chance is our, our tech guy and my son, that you have this gift at, of connection with other people. And it can be the Starbucks barista. <laughs> <laughs> it, it can be the CEO. You know, it doesn't matter who it is. And it's just such a special thing. You can, you make everyone feel special. So I just wanted to say thank you for that. And what a gift that you probably would have been that way no matter what. But I can see how that experience growing up in the military and having to move so much, probably that really fostered that for you. So, yeah, thank you for sharing that. And thank you to your dad. Even I know it's passed. But thank you, Crystal. Yeah. That was very sweet. <laughs> very kind. So we're talking today about self-compassion, and we were inspired by our last guest, Brett Bezik, and hope that if you haven't had a chance to actually listen to that episode, that you go back and listen, and that was it was really fun, and he talked a lot about how it was important to rediscover our beauty on the outside, to uncover that so that it showed and reflected our beautiful insides as well. And a lot of times when we're doing that, we need to be self-compassionate. And the other thing that I was thinking about why I wanted to talk about this today was because it seems to be coming up a lot with the people that I'm coaching with recently. Mm-hmm. Not sure exactly what's going on that that's causing that, but I do think that just as coming up in various forms, this inner critic. So inner critic and imposter syndrome. So a lot of a lot of a lot of my coaching clients are are, are struggling with that. And I was actually just mm. reading a statistic that actually about seventy percent of adults actually struggle with those two things. Mm. So this time of year too, you know, we're so busy and we don't oftentimes take an opportunity to pause and to really take care of ourselves. So all of those things wrapped up together, I thought this is a good time to touch back to this really kind of foundational piece. And so we'll, we'll try and not get too prescriptive for people. We don't want to go there, but we do want to sort of highlight this, talk a little bit about what self-compassion is and um, some, some ways to actually develop a practice around that. You know, I, I'm going to take you back to what you said in originally, which was that, you know, we were talking about what Brett brought to the the podcast last week. And one of the things that just completely impressed me was his ability to talk about something. So what could be seen as somewhat surface level and 
his message came screaming through in his in the way he said it. And so you know that he's thinking what you, know, you can almost feel what he's thinking when he's talking about putting on somebody's eye makeup or something, yeah. you know, just enhancing them with something with just one thing or with two things, you know. And, yeah. But he was really when we were talking to him, you could see that he was just, you know, trying to you, you could almost see his hand gestures, that somatic thing where he's just trying to pull out from the inside, what yeah. what's going on with someone, and I just loved that interview. I thought it was it was fun. It was um, it was kind of reaffirming in a way. I just loved the way he he spoke, and I hope that we can um, interview him again, maybe next year, to talk about how he's doing in his in his new on the road show. Right? Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. I I am too kind of thinking about how we've gone through the pandemic, you know, and so many people, there were a lot of people who took the time to do a little self-care, right, during this time. Yeah. But now that we're getting back to work, yeah. it's almost as if that dropped and we're going back to the way things were, but we already know that we can't do that. That's one of the reasons we have a podcast is that we know that we're going in a new direction. Yeah. And to go back to that, that, feeling of, you know, denying yourself, you know, the compassion that you need as you're struggling. Yeah. And people are struggling. It's not the same as it used to be. We're not as, um, we can't just f jump back into, you know, that same mold that we had before. We're in, we're in a new world now and it doesn't feel very different for some people, but it's very different. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, that's so true. And some of some of that sort of residual uh, things that happened during the pandemic, you know, they're still there. We're still mm -hmm. talking about them. Um, there's still fear around um, an another wave or the next wave or something new. Right. So all yeah, a lot of a lot of reasons. So today we're using an article um, called Self Compassion. It's by Dr. Kristen Neff, and you know, Dr. Neff talks about how. Um, it's really important to have compassion for ourselves because that's the way we honor our our humanness. And that's something that I think sometimes we lose touch with a little bit is, you know, when we don't have compassion for ourselves, how can we have it for other humans? If we're yeah. not we are we we are human, we have to realize that we're not perfect. We're not always the best. We're we are what we are. And um having compassion for moments when you are not showing up or not having a result that is exactly as you expected it in the beginning is human. And we need to give ourselves some space about that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And the first thing when we think about compassion is really being able to identify it. Mm -hmm. We have to have compassion. We have to actually notice, notice it. So we have to notice that other people are are suffering, mm -hmm. and and the second thing is really understanding that compassion involves feelings, feeling moved by other suffering, so that we actually are respond to it. Our heart responds to it. So we're pausing, we're noticing, we're recognizing somebody's suffering, mm -hmm. and then we have a reaction to that. And really, most of us can be compassionate at least at times for others. But for some reason, it's very hard to have compassion 
for ourselves. And that's that's that self-compassion is really being able to to recognize, to pause and to recognize and to say, yeah, I am I am suffering. Mm-hmm. And how can I respond to that with kindness? You know, that's such a an interesting idea that, you know, we are we lack self-compassion but we are able to extend it to others. But I would posit that we're not really extending it to others if we aren't doing it to ourselves. Because how in the world, you know, how in the world, if you don't, if you don't want to allow yourself um, that space to, to um, honor yourself or to understand what you're going through and to forgive yourself if you need to in that case, yeah. then how, how are you going to know how to to be compassionate for somebody else. You have to have a point of reference. And, you know, you may have the surface level, oh, that's too bad. But if you really want to enter into their space without taking it over, you know, being more empathetic or empathic, yeah. you have to um, you have to have it within yourself. So I, I think it's not that we don't have it a lot of times. I think it's that we deny that we have it. Yeah. You know that it, what is what are we afraid of? What do we think people are going to think if they know that we have it? Oh yeah. no, right? Yeah, yeah. That that sort of perfectionism, right? That we yeah. can't. That we've always got to be happy, and that we always had to be perfect. Mm. Yeah. And the thing is that that sets a tone. So if you're a leader, that really sets a tone with the people that work with you. You know, if if that's the way you come across, they're going to probably not be as forthcoming if something is going wrong with them. They may um, just plow through and it's not healthy. It's just not a healthy way to be, I don't think. And that's my opinion, but I yeah. don't think it is. You can't, you can't deny your humanness in a way, yeah. you know, and, and be able to sustain that for very long. Yeah. Well, Dr. Neff definitely uh, agrees with you. And so there's a ton of research behind that. Thank goodness. And, yeah. <laughs> Good thing. Um, and she says in this article, and we'll put links on our website. So if you want to actually read this article yourself, which we would encourage you to. And in fact, her website is fantastic. It even has practices that you can do and journal prompts. Mm. And speaking of journaling, we, we did a couple episodes ago, we did one on journaling, a coach's corner. So um, if you're interested in that, so she's got a lot of really good stuff. So I'd encourage you to go to, to her website. We'll have a link and poke around there if this interests you. So she really talks about that there's three different elements of self-compassion. So the first one is self-kindness versus self-judgment. And that is is self-compassion entails being warm and understanding toward ourselves when we suffer, fail, or feel inadequate. And you kind of talked a little bit about that already. So instead of really talking negatively about ourselves internally, that's kind of that inner critic piece we were talking about, it's really recognizing that it's okay for us to have these feelings to actually pause and feel them and to respond with kindness. What do I need right now? That's the one theme I think that we keep talking about, and it's, it's absolutely true. The second one was common humanity versus isolation. And in this, we're talking about when things don't go exactly the way you want them to go, the person who lacks or is not accepting self-compassion, they, 
they kind of look at it as if they're the only person who's suffering and making mistakes. And that's just not true. You know, all humans suffer. But the very definition, actually, of being human has to do with a person being mortal, vulnerable, and oh my, imperfect, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So self-compassion involves like recognizing that suffering and human inadequacy is just a part that we all share as humans. It's not something that is unique to one person. Right? Yeah, yeah. And sometimes that can give us some comfort too, to, yes. to really sort of take perspective and to think about I'm not alone in this suffering, that there are other people who've probably had the very same experience or similar experience, or even are having a lot more challenges than I am at this moment. So true. And you know that conversation, when two people connect on something in common like that, the, the conversation often helps them get through it. And sometimes the outcome is that they have better perspectives on different things or they see things a little differently. And next time, they may not be quite so quick to think it's just poor pitiful me, right? Yeah, yeah, right. And the third one is mindfulness versus over-identification. That self-compassion also requires taking a balanced approach to our negative emotions so that feelings are neither suppressed nor exaggerated. So again, it's that acceptance that that we're suffering, being able to say to ourselves, yes, this is difficult, this is hard. And then also being able to sort of hold apart and recognize that it's not all consuming, that we can have perspective and yes. that, that helps us to be compassionate, self-compassionate. Yeah, you just, you cannot ignore that you're having discomfort or pain or anything. You just can't do that. It's, um, it's not healthy. And it's, and it, in denying that for yourself, you're actually denying others ability to help you or they're, you know, and you don't recognize it in that in others. It's almost an intolerance. It becomes sort of an intolerance, but mindfulness is being able to recognize it. Right. Yeah. And, and if you need to honor it, but let it go, you know, and, yeah. And to observe it, sort yes. of observe it, to sort of separate yourself from it, to be able to look down on the situation. See it and, from a better perspective, yeah, you know. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Not be totally all consumed by it. A couple of other things that she talks about is that self-compassion is not self-pity, And that kind of goes to that same notion of being totally carried away, as well as that we want to make sure that we're still moving forward. So while we recognize it, we say, yes, uh, this is hard, this is difficult, uh, we aren't sort of wallowing in that perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, you know, very similar to that, the self-compassion is not self-indulgence. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's that, you know, some people, they might be reluctant to be self-compassionate because they're afraid that it would let themselves get away with anything. So I'm stressed out today. So to be kind to myself, I'm just going to watch TV, maybe make some popcorn, eat some ice cream, have donuts, <laughs> chocolate chips, you name it. Yeah, <laughs> Chocolate's exactly. always my go-to. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I like that. <laughs> but um, self-indulgence um, rather than self-compassion is what that is. You know, it's, it's not fixing the problem. All it is doing is making you feel probably worse because you've just sat there and, and done something that was terribly unproductive. And so really when you're thinking about self-compassion, it's getting up and doing something that is productive, doing something that's positive, taking a walk, you know, journaling, uh, exercising, or doing something that's different than sitting and not getting anything done. I think at the end of of that, having compassion for yourself and knowing that you need something. Yeah. You need something and it's not chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe it's chocolate, but I think sometimes it's, it's chocolate. Things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. I and I think that's so I maybe vary a little on that one, actually. I, I do think there is some healing that can happen with that. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not all day, but right. you know, sometimes a little bit of uh ice cream or chocolate and watching, you know, your favorite Netflix show that can help yeah. to, to just go sort of get through the moment. But it, it, at recognizing that that's numbing, right? Bre- yeah. Brene Brown talks a lot about that too. Like what are the things that we're doing to numb? So it can't be the only thing you do. No. So then get up from the couch and go for that walk <laughs> and do the journaling and help yourself to process and to recognize the hard time and to move through it. Yeah. To your point, I think if you did it for a day because it was, you know, you had something really hard that you were having to face, then, you know, a day. Yeah. But a weekend, maybe not. <laughs> a week, definitely not. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 All right. So, and self-compassion is not self-esteem. So self-compassion can be, is similar to self-esteem, but they are, they are different in, in many ways. And we all know that self-esteem has to do with our self-worth and kind of how we perceive our value. So in modern Western culture, self-esteem is often based on how much we're different from others and how we stand out or are special. Sometimes mm-hmm. self-esteem, what can happen with self-esteem when we're overly focused on how other people see us, as well as our accomplishments and the, the things that we're doing on our own, that's very reliant on what other people are thinking of us, mm-hmm. rather than on our own internal grounding and knowing who we are. So that's kind of where self-esteem and self-compassion are, are different. Self-compassion comes internally and comes from and helps us to be more grounded. And yeah, I think that that's, um, it's an important point to make. And I, and I, when I think of, you know, self-compassion and self-esteem, self-esteem is my sense of self-worth. It is how I feel about myself. It's how, you know, how I hold myself up. Right. And I think without the self-compassion, I would have a hard time being very resilient. You know, I, I think if I failed, my self-esteem, instead of accepting it, if I deny myself compassion, my self-esteem is going to take a hit. Without the self-compassion, I have nothing to come back with. Yeah. You know, and so I just keep going down. And it reminds me of, I I was telling you a story of somebody I know who used to be a a real high level of leadership, but um, unfortunately had a series of events that um, caused the business to 
take away one of his positions. He was moved down in a position and probably did a good job, but had a series of failures again. And, and it was that self-esteem had taken such a hit that I don't think he was able to rise out of that. And yeah. so ultimately he lost a lot of positions. He went down to a much lower position as a result. And that's not normal. I don't think it happens very often, but it does happen. So it's really important to try and find your, your self-compassion. If you have to, you know, even if you have to look for it, you know, it's, it may sound like, it may sound silly, but, you know, look in the mirror. Yeah, you know, and start talking to yourself about it's okay. I made, I did fail, but you know what? I'm learning something, and try and find that thing, that nugget that you're learning from what you're, what what has caused you to feel bad. You know, yeah. If you're frustrated, then what would it take to get out of that? What would it take to not be frustrated? Right? Yeah. Yeah, and what we find is that we're able to, if we have self compassion, we're able to move through those things quicker, which Mm -hmm. I think is one of the kind of surprising things about self-compassion, kind of getting back to that piece where people are are saying, well, that's self-indulgent yes, Um, or just trying to completely ignore it. It's like, well, if I ignore it, this difficult situation, it'll just go away. And what ends up happening is we end up with a lot of numbing going on, Mm -hmm. which oftentimes, you know, can be drugs and alcohol and yes. overeating and all of those things um, or depression. So it's, it leads to, if we don't, we don't acknowledge what's actually happening. We can only ignore it for so long. And then it, the, it piles up. The negative really piles up. If we're able to practice that and we get to the point where we practice it often, it does not mean that you're giving in and you're saying that mistakes are all good and, you know, and that, um, I could fail and I'm not doing great. And, you know, the world does, the world stops spinning. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be that, but if you get good at it and you come out of that, with a positive outcome, something you'd learned, something you do differently, then you get better at it. It's like a habit, right? It's yeah. like a habit and it takes it takes some time. If you haven't if you haven't practiced self-compassion very often, it's gonna take a little bit of concentration, right? Yeah. But once you've done it enough times, it's just something you do. It just becomes an extension of your arm, right? You just do it. You don't even think about it. Or yeah. it's an eyelash. Yeah. What? It's an eyelash? <laughs> well, you don't think about your eyelashes when you blink, do you? Yeah. I don't no. think about self-compassion either. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think that kind of what you were saying there leads us into some of the tips for practice. Mm-hmm. And I thought one of the really interesting things that she brings up here is when you first start a practice of self-compassion, that one of the things that surprises people oftentimes is that sometimes the pain actually increases and they call that they actually have a term for that and it's called backdraft what that is is a term in firefighting where when you open the door to a building all that fire comes rushing out because oxygen goes in and the flames rush out and so it's kind of the same idea this this kind of a metaphor for when you open your heart, what can come rushing back out is all of the pain. And when we give ourselves unconditional love, we discover the conditions under which 
we were unloved. Mm. And I, I thought, wow, that's so powerful and something just to be aware of. So when it feels uncomfortable, when you're starting a practice of self-compassion, that's okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you need to have a compassionate response to that, right? And it's okay to have those feelings to recognize that's like, wow, this feels uncomfortable, but it doesn't mean that you're going down the wrong path. It just means that you're starting something new. You know, there's one thing that um, she states as well, and that's, you know, if we ever feel overwhelmed by some difficult emotions, that um, the most self-compassionate response sometimes is just pull back temporarily. Yeah. And that's, that's okay. You know, it's, I call that taking a pause. Yeah. You know, just stop for a few minutes because you have to be ready for what's to come, right? Yeah. And if you don't have the battery power to, to handle it, you know, we all have a battery. We're all energizer bunnies, right? But um, especially when something negative is going on, we, we drain our battery pretty fast with all of our thoughts, all of yeah. our thinking, all of our spinning. So just take a pause. Yeah, and that's basically what we were just talking about before, mm-hmm. which is sometimes you do just need to sit on the couch with that quart of ice cream and yeah. Netflix, <laughs> right, to help get help us get through. The other tip that she has is with, with self-compassion, we mindfully accept that the moment is painful and embrace ourselves with kindness and care in response, remembering that imperfection is mm-hmm. part of the shared human experience. So holding that and remembering that this is a shared experience that all humans suffer. And that is what we are. We're human. So what's the marching order? Practice (laughs) self-compassion. No, but think about it. You know, if you're going through something difficult or you're dealing with something um, with your organization or your your work group, whatever, that is um, causing you to be frustrated or struggle, you know, Tap into your self-compassion. Tap into it by, if you if you don't think you have it, go stand in front of the mirror for a little while and talk about it or think about it. Go on our website and get the the link to the article and to her website, Dr. Dr. Neff's website. I think you will find that there are a lot of little tools and tips that will help you get through that. And I think it's very important to, you know, use tools and tips whenever you can. They're not crutches. They're, they're help. Yeah. Yeah. I love her work during the pandemic. Somebody had given me this little phrase and I wrote it down on a post-it and I kept it next to my computer the whole time that we were out because of the pandemic when we couldn't see people. And it said, identify what am I feeling right now? And how can I respond to it with kindness? Mm -hmm. And it was just my mantra through the whole pandemic to just say, I guess I need a little self-compassion right now. I can tell something's going on, identify what that is. And then what can I do? Do I need to get up and get a cup of tea? Do I need to listen to some music or put on some fuzzy slippers? Or what what would be self-compassionate? At this moment, what do I need right now? And that literally got me through some pretty hard days. What a wonderful mantra, if you will, you know, to have something like that to look at every morning. It can can really help you. You're right. We didn't we didn't have a lot of that. We had to look for it, right? Yep. So wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. 
So thanks, Tricia, for exploring this topic of self-compassion with me. And I hope that our listeners will at least take a, a pause mm-hmm. and to ask that same question of themselves. What are they feeling right now and how can they respond to it with kindness? So let's keep the conversation going. If you have questions or comments about the show, you can find us on all our social media channels at lifting underscore leaders. There's so many exceptional podcasts coming up more with fantastic guests. So be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple podcast or wherever you listen. If you know someone who would find this episode inspiring, share it with them, text them, email them, or take a screenshot and share it on your Instagram. If you'd like to know more about us, our guests, or the show, please go to our website at liftingleaderspodcast.com. You'll find show notes there as well, as well as links to Dr. Neff's article. If you're looking for help in developing your leaders or would like a growth opportunity yourself through leader coaching, please contact us through our website at www.liftingleaderspodcast.com. Thank you to Ari Chance Roberts for his technical support of our show. Lastly, please subscribe to our podcast. It's free. Thank you, Trisha, for this fun conversation. Thank you, Crystal. It was fun. And thank you for your kindness. That was wonderful. Absolutely. Thanks to our audience for listening. Find ways every day to lift each other up. Have a fantastic week.